Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can follow me at the Dan Urban. You can follow the podcast at Couchside Judges, and you can subscribe wherever you listen. And if you like what you're hearing from this show, please give us a five-star review. And we talk judging in MMA, so you should learn the criteria. You can read it at abcboxing.com. Dan, we had a very busy three days of fights. Busy three days. Uh, I One for me, but not the whole MMA world, I guess. What do, what do you mean one? What are you talking about? I didn't I didn't tune in live for PFL or Bellator. I see. I understand. Yeah. See, I watched PFL live. I did not watch Bellator live because I was out with my buddy hanging out for my birthday, and I just didn't feel like doing it. Sounds, <laughs> sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. It was a good night. And then, of course- UFC, just like you. Yes. A long night, a lot of rounds, Dan. A lot of rounds, but I felt this event was paced very well. Well, it was paced well, and I don't think there were, with exce- with one exception, I don't think there were really any stinkers necessarily on the evening. So as much as we had, I, by my count, we had 39 full rounds scored. That's a lot of rounds. That's a lot of rounds. Um, but even that, yeah, it didn't, I mean, it definitely was a long night, but it didn't feel like a long night no it didn't I, I wasn't my typical begging for finishes within the first three seconds so i can go to bed and you know what i think part of that at least has to do with the fact that they stuck the heavyweight fight as the uh the curtain jerker and i know you tuned into that one late and watched it later let, so let me so that definitely helped right let me tell you something All no right. it did not help oh no okay although it turned out to be a pretty good fight but it actually was when i, I on friday i said this was or Thursday, I said this was the fight I was didn't care about at all. Every other fight I had some kind of interest in, this is the one I didn't care about. So I come back from getting my snacks and my food for the show. Pre-gaming, for sure. Uh, I tune in, and I hear the decision being announced for it. And I hear split decision, and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> now I can't even just miss this fight. <laughs> I have to go back and watch it, but it turned out to be a good fight. I so. feel like almost always we have to go back and watch the stupid heavyweight fight. But yeah. yes, you're right. This was a solid one. I mean, it, there was a, there was a good amount of striking, and it wasn't you know it it wasn't kind of that typical you know slog to the finish. Even though, oh my goodness, was uh, was Jake Collier looking at the uh, clock like every three seconds? Right. He- <laughs> We'll get to that fight. But. We're going to get to that fight, but th- man, that boy should go on a diet and get back to 185 because he hits hard and I think he can maybe be really good there. I mean, honestly, 205, like just compromise and go to 205. Like just get oh, yourself yeah, get in, in the middle. Get yeah, yourself down to 205 where you're not in. I mean, man can do what he wants, obviously, but I feel like he would have a better chance at 205. Anyway, let's get to the meat and potatoes here, though. Let, let's, let's, uh, and, and actually, when I say meat and potatoes, I don't mean contested rounds let's just talk real quick about some of the the major happenings that came out of 263 obviously out of Ezreal Adesanya cruised past Marvin Vittori unless you talk to Marvin Vittori where he seems to think he won or at least the judges did not score it correctly there's a, a couple people were delusional after that fight <laughs> yeah uh Chelsea son one of them <laughs> what did Chelsea say I actually missed that he said the score of 50 45 does not indicate what we saw this fight was very competitive and uh no chael it was not no, actually, fifty forty five feels like that fight. Yes, feels yep. exactly like it that. It feels fight. solid like the fifty forty five, uh, and every round certainly matches that way. Everyone saw it that way at home, except for uh, some. I I was getting some like weird like troll accounts, like you know those zero <laughs> follower accounts that were like, "You're crazy. You obviously don't know MMA. How do you cover it?" I'm like, <laughs> guy, guy, I gave out a sign y'all the rounds. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about." Anyway, 
Anyway, I'm pretty sure they're just being silly. So, but yeah, I mean, it, it, I saw going into this fight a way for Vittori to win. I, I think he showed that that was the way he was trying to do it. And it early on looked like he might actually be able to make it happen, which was get a takedown and, and kind of grind him down. And Adesanya, then he showed, yeah, I can actually get up at, at 185 here, or I've improved. I can uh, maybe sweep. In the time since I can sweep, yeah. I mean, once once he got up from that takedown, I think anyone who was sitting at home thinking, oh, Vittori's probably got a decent chance here, he could do something, mm-hmm. had to kind of abandon that and be like, well, it's going to be a long night, or it's going to be a short night yeah. for Vittori. <laughs> and then pr- pretty much Adesanya decided that it was going to be a long night for him. Yeah, uh, and it didn't seem like he was... Really pushing for that finish, right? Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't too interested in, in finishing him. I don't think. I think he he would have loved to finish him. I just don't think uh, it was his uh, priority. It was a good performance. I I think he probably you know whether he meant to or not. I think he proved a point. The fact that yes, I I can get back up too. I mean, it's not. He's shown that he can stop takedowns. That wasn't what it was. I think now he's really shown that he can get back up. That yeah, that's. You get taken down, you get right back up. It's like nothing happens. Now, so. how would he do against, you know, a, let, let's say, like an elite wrestler at this week? Let's say the modern day equivalent to like a Chael Sonnen. I don't know, but we don't really have that at 185 really, right now. Yeah. So, so he, I mean, I don't know that there's a foil for him right now uh, in this division. At 85? Wrestling wise, probably not. I I don't know. Who's going to keep up with him striking wise? <laughs> That's true. I, I mean, mean, he's kind of the class of it, right? Yoel left. He probably would have been if he decided he wanted, but he does weird things and he didn't want to wrestle that I, fight. He just wanted to stare at him. The one thing I would say, and I, we probably don't even have to say much more about Adesanya other than he won. Um, the one thing I would say about it, one style I think could give him problems at 85 is someone who can really goad him into a brawl. Kind of like what we saw with Kelvin Gastelum. Even though Kelvin Gastelum is not a brawler, but it really kind of turned into, obviously, it was, it was a hellacious yeah. fight. So I think someone like that, then at that point, kind of anything can happen, you know? Okay. Because that's not the type of fight that he does best in. I think he can still win those fights, but it's just, you want him to be able to snipe and, and do that kind of stuff, like fight on his terms. If he makes it on someone else's terms, then kind of it's anybody's guess. So, um, But, you know, th- really, the only thing that comes out of this is Robert Whitaker is the obvious challenger next. He seemed like kind of the almost obvious challenger the last few times. Now it's it's got to be. He's got to right? take it at some point, right? I mean, who would think? But at the same time, I almost wonder if Adesanya is going to be like, "Here, we're doing it this day. You better do it." And he'll be like, "Jeez, oh, I've uh, you know I've got my kids' recital or something that day, so I just can't <laughs> do it." Um, which hey, yeah, I get it. I'm a dad. You know, that's what it is. But the point being, you know, Adesanya doesn't have to wait for Whitaker. Whitaker needs to do it when Adesanya is ready or. As often is the case when the UFC needs a title fight for that particular event. So here's the question I ask, though. If not Whitaker, who is the dark horse to step up and say, I know a guy, I'm ready. Who's the guy that actually makes some sense? That makes, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense, but it's definitely interesting to me Mm. is Uriah Hall. Okay. I think stylistically, it's a very interesting matchup because they're both very good strikers. Uh... Do you give it to Jared Cannonier because he's the guy who last lost to Whitaker? I don't no. know. Probably don't. No. So, I mean. Well, who, who is Uriah Hall fighting next? Is, I, I is mean, he scheduled? Yes, he is. He, he is, is scheduled. Uh, oh, he is fighting. He's scheduled. Oh, no. He was expected to fight Sean Strickland in August, but. Well, I think they moved that. And they now, moved it's a, it, now it's a headliner, it's right? Clo- yeah, it's going to headline. Oh, yeah. He's still, still fighting each other. Just moved it a week earlier. They're the headliner July 31st. Yeah, they pulled it off the pay-per-view. So now it's a headliner. Okay. That That's a I, fun fight. It's a fun fight. 
you wouldn't necessarily think just the winner straight up gets, you know, potentially in the title picture. But I I could see uh, Uriah Hall was a good uh, I like that um, name being thrown in there because, yeah, if he wins and it's impressive, you could see him being someone who, again, this is if Robert Whitaker is not ready on the day and the UFC says we're moving on. I think he's got to be take it. It, yeah, I mean, you would think he would take it, but would they ask him? I mean, maybe, I, maybe if he can get that win over Strickland. So we'll see. We'll see how it, and, who do you probably think it would do, be. Do you have a dark horse pick? You know, I don't. It's just, it's so hard. Like, I'm really thinking weird. about this. Middleweight, I mean, he, because Adesanya Her- really has beaten a lot of these guys. Like, Hermanson is two and two. I like Hermanson, so, but yeah, it's not him. It can't uh, be him. Ka- just lost to Whitaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vittori just lost. Uh, it's not going to be Boroshinia. I don't Paul think Costa's out. Yeah, you can't do Costa in Kelvin Gastelum again. Probably not. And Uriah Hall was the most interesting name on on the list and in the top ten to me. I think there's a bunch of guys that outside are like, of Robert Whitaker. I think yes. there's a bunch of guys that are like a win away, realistically. Yeah. But it, I mean, it just has to be Whitaker. If it's not Whitaker, come on, what are we doing? Like you, really, you're yeah. obviously just saying you don't really. I mean, I'll say Darren Till just because they would love to put Darren Till in the fight. <laughs> He's it does one in three in his last four. It's I don't like... disagree. I'm just saying, knowing the way they try to book Darren Till and the fact that he is a, a well liked fighter that they can try to sell for the fight, it just I could see them doing it, whether I want yeah. it or not. That's that doesn't matter. Yeah, it's so. crazy. But yeah, I think I think we've exhausted middleweight here. What about, of course, the super impressive? We wrote him off. We have to eat some crow here. Yeah, I've had Figueroa by TKO since the first Benavides thing written on the wall. <laughs> we we have a whiteboard from when we ve- like probably like you said first like the started. first or second show that we did. We wrote you wrote it up there Davis Figueroa TKO and you just never erased it. Never and he just kept it. winning, not always by TKO, but he just kept winning. And we just erased it before we recorded this one uh, because Brandon Moreno stunned. The God of War, who now I'm convinced I thought I kept calling him Kratos because, you know, Kratos is the God of mm-hmm. War in the God of War games. It's it's actually he's Ares because Kratos defeats and kills Ares. Oh, OK. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Sorry. The game's 20 years old. Um, Is it that old? It's almost that is old. Is it a first man. person shooter? No. It's, oh, it's have like you told me this game. before? Probably a billion times. It's a good game? Yes. Maybe I'll play it. Please play it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> neither here nor there. He, he, I, I wrote him off. You wrote him off. We didn't think that this was going to happen. We didn't think this fight should happen. Well, you know, I would still argue this fight shouldn't have happened, but it did happen, and he looked incredible. Yeah, I would 100% agree that this should have not been the fight, uh, but one low blow, and that's your career is on a totally different trajectory. That's right. So Control your weapons. I mean, Brandon Marino looked awesome. He just, he looked fantastic. The jab was just so potent. I mean, he, he, he not, basically did knock down Figueredo oh, in the first him round. Back. Yeah. He, he turned him all the way around with a jab. Yeah. I was he. He looked good. And Figueroa, not to take away from Moreno, Moreno was b- uh, every bit as good as Figueroa was puzzling. He just didn't look himself. I don't know if it was weight cut rate related or not. We can only speculate. But I mean, the guy was like the last one to weigh in. He, he like just hit it. Uh, he didn't have to cut more. But he's a very big one twenty five. And I would I was saying this even before the fight. I would rather see him at one thirty five pounds. Yeah, I'm go up to one thirty five. I want him there. I think he'd actually do really well against, you know, guys like, like obviously the champ is Aljamain Sterling, but like Cody realistically, we're looking at Peter Yan as the best fighter in that yeah. in 35 right now. What do you think of that? Cody versus Davis and Figueroa. Oh, his God. 35 he, debut. He would destroy Cody Garbrandt. Ah, I don't know. I think it's an I interesting do, I do believe so. I think it's a good introduction. 
Because you know, you, I, you I would actually agree. I actually think that's a good introduction, and I do think he destroyed Kobe okay. Garbrandt. <laughs> I'm not saying you you made yeah. a bad choice. I'm just saying it, it it's it's definitely not going to be that competitive. If you should, ask so, me. All right, so he'll he'll send he'll finally send Cody to 25. Yeah, maybe there'll be ships <laughs> in the night like that. Um, <laughs> but but again, Moreno, I you can't. What can you say about this kid? He just he's good everywhere. And he was it was just such a joy to watch him soak it in. Like he's staring at his championship belt, talking to. Joe Rogan, it's it's like he can't believe it. Like he, mm-hmm. like people say, I can't believe it, you know. But you're watching him, and you're like, this guy really doesn't believe it. Yeah. He's actually has it. Just it doesn't make sense to him that it happened. He probably didn't sleep a wink. I mean, sure. Well, I I don't blame him. He's probably up playing Legos and building a Lego <laughs> uh, championship belt, which is what I would do. You know, I love Legos. <laughs> Build it with my kids. Uh man, it's just. I love to see that. That's what I like watching mm-hmm. in the sport. Like I, people like the the trash talk and and you know all that type of stuff. And you know that can be fun. But I live for moments like this where you you see someone who, you know, they've worked all their life. They're martial artist, and you know they he seems like he's a good person just in general. You know, I, like I said, I like Legos. I relate to this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's gonna buy a heck of a lot of Legos at the local Lego store in Tijuana. Oh, I bet. And and the Lego store is gonna be super thrilled. Maybe they'll build a uh, a Lego replica of him. That'd be pretty cool. There's already a. I don't know if you saw Dan. There's a mural someone painted like overnight. Wow. Outside of him with the championship belt on, like crying. There was a photo that I saw. I actually put it in the the article that I had for the post. Um, and they painted that photo as a mural overnight it was really good and really fast and really impressive people are great yeah people are proud of their fighters all their athletes really why not why shouldn't he be the first mexican ufc champion you know i i i think he is the type of fighter that the ufc always hoped would become champion at 125 because it opens up latin america in a way that brazil doesn't Mm -hmm. you know i i'm just guessing that that's what the ufc would prefer yeah is to spread the word of yeah they wanted those lighter fighters um, from Latin America and then, you know, from Mexico and countries like this uh, to really open things up. So well, this next... is definitely a watershed moment for Mexico in mixed martial arts, I would have to think. Um, and, and obviously, you know, just for him individually, just such an achievement and so impressive. And, and I, and again, I really didn't see it coming, but who would you like to see him next? Who, who should There's be the first title? Right. It shouldn't be Figueredo, right? No, no. Askarov. 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 Yep. Yep. Gotta that's, be. That's his fight. And I don't know who wins that fight. Well, I haven't really thought about it, but we'll we'll get, we'll we'll think about it down the road. I think yeah, it's gonna happen. They had to draw the first time. Yeah, whatever it is, it's not gonna be easy. Give him five so, rounds and let's see what happens. Uh, and Askarov, even if he wins, he would be such an impressive story because he can't. Uh, he's he's uh, hearing impaired. Yeah, that is crazy. It's such an amazing thing that that he's done this. Uh, very inspirational too. You know, it, I don't. I'm not sure if he what what his the nature of his hearing impairment is. I don't know if it's the same as like Matt Hamill, who like cannot hear, who's deaf. But it might it might just be to a different degree. I'm not sure. But either way, very impressive. And I was always impressed with Matt Hamill. So mm-hmm. uh, I love the I love stories like this. Like I said, I, I just think anybody who can overcome the odds and achieve, especially in this sport, I think is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, let's move on though. We had one more fight. That we really wanted to kind of get into before we get into contested rounds. Mm-hmm. And that was, of course, uh, Nathan Diaz, who uh, obviously won his fight for a minute and a half out of 23 and a half minutes. The against... only minute and a half that mattered? Well, in your opinion, sure. Uh, but Leon Edwards <laughs> did get the 49-46 nod unanimously and rightfully so uh, in that fight. But, I mean, interesting fight just in the sense that, like, 
Well, I mean, Edwards had it under control. And then Nate in round five, even before he hurt him with the slap and the punch combo, he was starting to gain a little bit of momentum. Well, that was after Edwards tapped in the second or third round. Oh, is that what happened? He tapped. Yeah. Um, Nate had him in something. He tapped him with uh, with his fist twice and he, he hurt his hand tapping. So he switched to an elbow to tap out with. I see. And he used Nate's head, you know, instead of the mat. Um, Dan, our listeners think you're crazy. But that's what happened. Okay. All yeah. Right. Anyway, Dan is Dan is uh, switched into Marvin Vittori mode. He's a little, so little delusional on the score. We have to have someone, right? Anyway, uh, no, I think both guys stock rises, of course. I think. I think so. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, realistically, are we going to see Nate Diaz fight in three months? To no, be un- he's, no prob- one... he's probably going to fight again in another like 18 months, just because that's what he does. He kind of uh, comes and goes. Honestly, no one gave Nate much of a chance here. No, in this fight. And, and, I mean, I think we saw why. Yeah, but we also saw why you can't totally count him out. Sure, sure. But but I love when they were talking on the broadcast, like, oh, yeah, he lives for these championship rounds. It's like, he doesn't win championship rounds. He never wins rounds four and five. He's always losing them. This was, like, the first time. Well. This and the Connor round five, because he took off round four of that fight, and he could have won it. Really did. Which you're so mad about I am still. not happy about that. <laughs> like, there was no reason to take that it round. literally changed the trajectory of his career because he didn't fight in that round. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. No, really. Uh, and, yeah. He's not getting any older. He's about our age. Uh, you know, I, I just turned 36, but, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I wouldn't say I should be in the prime of my career if I was a professional fighter. Yeah, but, you know, I, I, I don't think Leon's going to get a title fight off this win. I wouldn't mind if he did, but uh, I no, do, no one would I care if he think, did. I don't think he will, though. I do think it's probably just going to be Colby Covington. They said it; it was going to be Edwards. Well, probably needed something like absolutely spectacular to actually change the course of of history there. Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying Edwards doesn't get his next fight might be a title fight. It's just not going to be before Covington. I will say this though: it depends on whether Covington is ready on the day they want to do the fight, as is always the case. With a UFC title fight nowadays, if you're not ready, when the champ wants to do it, when the UFC wants to book it, they'll move on to the next guy. And so that is probably Leon Edwards' best path to the next title shot. Just which be ready. Is why they should adopt my schedule. Right. Your schedule, which is, of course, they should all fight four times a year. Minimum. Three minimum. Three minimum. Okay. All right. It's, it's better than I we thought. We prefer four. I see. Okay. Yeah. No one does that. That's the champs. No one No one That's at that level the does champs. that. champs. I don't think they've ever done Adesanya's that. fought three three title fights in nine months in the unified rules era i don't think that has happened i'm just saying it should though yeah maybe in pride should happen but uh i think that's probably uh all we had let's actually though before we even get into contested rounds we have something officiating related everybody was talking about this i was fired up about this i was not happy i was definitely raging about the fact that what went down in of course the paul craig versus jamal hill fight to kick off the pay-per-view and that was where we saw paul craig got the arm bar locked it in jamal hill uh wasn't tapping and the arm completely dislocated it was and it's just flopping around there it's just flopping around i mean we can see it clear as day from our seats at home this arm is not functioning the way a normal arm does it's not moving with voluntary motions it's just kind of going up and down with the motion of what's happening there just flapping around and, in the wind and referee al Guiney, a local arizona official just watching this move maybe he was entranced by it maybe he uh just 
didn't understand that this was what was happening. And I can't imagine why, because he is an official who's obviously officiated a heck of a lot more fights than I have. But I'm sitting there clear as day seeing this guy's arm is messed up. That's when you stop the fight. And he didn't stop the fight. He just let it go for way longer than it needed to. And I'm I'm pissed off. I don't know if there's a worse instance of bad refereeing than this. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there are. I don't want to go too far into hyperbole, but this is definitely... I, I would say this is the worst that I can think of that's arm-related, at least uh, at this level. This was... I mean, the guy's arm is flapping around. Because we've seen good stoppages where, yeah, the arm breaks, and then, then referees will step in and, and make some really good stoppages there. Um, I, I know Herb Dean has at least done this once or twice, so you know, credit to him for that. I mean, we just had one with uh, uh, Jacare. His arm yes, snaps and the yes. fight just immediately stopped. He didn't even tap. Terrific stoppage right there. I mean, you stop it at the right time. Everyone remembers, hey, the ref actually did a really good job there. I think that's one of the few times where you actually think of the referee for doing something you know, good. Because obviously most people just look for reasons to blame the officials. You and know? he's right there. He sees it. He's, if we could see it on TV, there's Big no, John said, yeah, there's no excuse why. There's no obstructed angle. He's right there. It's insane that that Al Gaini did not stop this fight. Um, just just from speaking with other officials who you know whose names I won't use, uh, I mean, one suggested that Mark Ratner definitely was not going to be happy about what happened there. Um, oh, how could he be? No, I mean he shouldn't be. <laughs> but like realistically, like just to know that this is something that will will certainly not just be kind of swept away is great. And I think other people, you know, people at home. Maybe if they're not, you know, as familiar with the officiating and stuff like that, I think it's good for people to understand that. Yeah, the the UFC themselves is also not going to be pleased with this. No, but at least we we learned that it wasn't a full break and it, it was just a dislocation. It's just a bad dislocation. And apparently, popped back in, right? Yeah, but who knows what kind of ligament damage there is? We probably got to get an MRI on it. I'm sure he does. Uh, I know. So I saw that uh, Jamal Hill was. Tweeting today about, I think he's playing Madden or something like that. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> that thing hurts. Today. Who knows what he's that saying, but yeah, he's definitely not feeling good, I would think. But um, for what it's worth, he wasn't blaming the official, but I mean, I think most of us are, including I've seen many officials. So uh, I think that speaks to the fact that the officiating in this case was just poor. It just, it, it, it failed. They failed. Al Guiney failed Jamal Hill. And that's yeah. the, you know, should out. Should Jamal Hill have tapped? I mean, yeah, but like, I'm he's a fighter. Gonna, like, I'm never I mean, gonna say a fighter should tap. Yeah, I mean, I will say it's like a, it's kind of like a you know maybe it would have been a good idea to tap, but it's not his fault. I will say I will I will criticize his uh, fight IQ and why am I staying in the ground? Yes, here? that is that is he, what he escaped. He should have just uh, disengaged and got. He back was up, he was definitely overconfident in his years of jujitsu, which mm-hmm. I mean, granted, I mean. If it's as long as he say it is, he says it was 11 years. Okay, but Paul Craig's a different animal, and I think we know that now. He's a if we uh, didn't that was already. Fantastic. That arm bar was. It was impressive. The I mean, whole just the way sequence. the whole sequence exactly, even from the from the first time he tried to mm-hmm. get it. Yeah, just the way he sets it up is, and, and especially that, that that first one that actually didn't work out. I thought that was even more impressive, right? Yeah, I've been caught. I've, you know how many times I get stuck in there because I leave my hand on the mat and someone overhooks it, and now I'm like, oh my god, this is an arm bar. I don't remember doing that one as much, but well, I'm sure it's I did. N- it's not a like one we ever really trained much. It's just someone grabs an overhook, and now your arm is stuck under yeah. the armpit, and you're like, all right, oh, this is not good. But it's even harder when you've got a glove on. Yeah, now because you can't, because can't you can't out. slide it out, yeah. and there's nothing illegal about that. He's just, he's got it, yeah, you know? That was tight. Yeah. Um, I really hope that Al Gaini is not placed on a UFC card ever again. 
uh, if they go back to Arizona. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. I don't want to see this man uh, officiating again. Will he be officiating in Arizona? I mean, probably. But. Most likely. And, and I did see someone kind of float the idea uh, that maybe we shouldn't be seeing local officials be placed on, you know, these UFC cards, these televised cards. I disagree with that. I don't think Arizona did anything particularly wrong just in 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 terms of the methodology of putting a local referee on a UFC card. Al Guiney was assigned to two fights. He was assigned to this one, which opened the pay-per-view, and the heavyweight fight, Collier and Felipe, which opened up the mm. event itself. He had two assignments, two out of 14 assignments. The rest of them went to Mike Beltran, Jason Herzog, Mark Goddard, and Herb Dean. I mean, these are this is like an all-star team of referees at this point. And then we have one local official who did two fights. Okay, I don't think that's a problem to do that. But obviously this one didn't work out. And, you know, should he have even been on a pay-per-view portion of it? Probably not. But especially when you got this, again, it's kind of this all-star team. <laughs> yeah, I was a little, I was not, uh, I didn't think the the way the lineup was uh, was doled out was uh, great officiating-wise. With, I, with the judges as well? Yeah, I thought the main, especially the title fight should have been, Three traveling guys. Well, yeah, that that was the funny thing about it. Top to bottom, every single fight had two traveling judges and one local judge. That was the way they decided to do it, which I don't necessarily hate, other than I, I do think the title fights really shouldn't have been that. Um, or or even the, the, the Diaz and uh, and Edwards fight. I don't think any of the five-round fights necessarily yeah. should have been there. I think you, if you wanted to do that stuff up through you know, Maya and, and uh, Bilal Muhammad. Okay, I get it. But like after that, just leave it to leave it to the finest. They're, they're deciding some bigger things here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, less so Diaz Edwards, but the other two, it really should have been. That. Fortunately, didn't end up really mattering. It really didn't matter. I, I will say, I actually thought that the local judges acquitted themselves very well. Hey. I think it was perfectly fine. There was no one who stood out like in Texas uh, that really ought to have not done what they were doing or, or been assigned in, in these situations. I thought they did perfectly fine. Yeah, I don't think there really was any any indefensible scores. No, no, I so. don't think so. So why don't we get into those, though? Of yeah. Course. yeah. And we've got not as many of these, but, you know, we're already, we're already kind of deep into our show here, we're right? pretty deep. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's get to contested rounds. Let's lead with the uh, one of the rounds, the only round that was split from the flyweight title fight, Brandon Moreno and, and Davis and Figueredo. Round two was the split round here. And it's, this one I know had people pretty divided on social media as well. Two judges, Mike Bell and Dennis O'Connell, the local judge, uh, they both had it for Moreno. And Chris Lee was the out judge here, saw it for Davis and Figueredo, 10-9 each. What did you think? I Originally, I scored it for Moreno. Okay. Um, I think it was a, more of an illusion that he was more effective when I watched it again than he actually was. Yeah, I, I, I actually ended up... Both, you know, I, I actually did only watch it one time, but mm-hmm. when I watched this, I was very torn, but I did feel pretty strongly that Figueredo actually was more effective. Uh, he landed good on the feet, and so did Marino, actually. But Marino landed Marino right in the beginning moments. of the round. Sure. Right in the beginning of the round. That's and why it was such a tough, tough round to score. Once it hits the ground, uh, Figueredo's got him in a headlock, uh, fishing for a guillotine, but I, I didn't put much weight into that. But once he gets taken down by Marino, he doesn't do much there. And, and then Figueroa is bombing on him with these Moreno elbows. Moreno doesn't do much there. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's I'm sorry. Moreno doesn't do much once he's in. He's just kind of holding position. And Figueroa is landing these big elbows, one that from the bottom swelled yeah. up uh, Moreno's eyes. Yeah, there was one strike though that stood out on the ground from Moreno. There was a point he kind of got postured up and was able to land like a really good strike from the top. 
Mm-hmm. I still didn't think that ultimately he did enough to overtake Figueroa, but I don't, I don't have a problem with it going the other way. I don't have a problem doing it the other way too because Figueroa. I mean, all while I thought he was more effective, he didn't land all that much. Yeah. So he again, he just wasn't himself. He just didn't look like himself, and I I worry about him in that weight class. Um, but yeah, obviously we ended up on the side of Chris Lee here, the out judge. So uh, Dan, what does that mean? Oh my goodness, we haven't had one in a while. Couch that override. <laughs> Congratulations, Chris Lee. Your prize is in the mail. There you go. Take that, all the Chris Lee haters out there. <laughs> you did right. <laughs> in, a, in a close round. Uh, next up, we've got a... And there was only one round per fight in the UFC for this one. There, there were eight rounds, but nothing... Never, never like two rounds in one fight, right? So we're going on to our split... First split decision uh, of merit tonight, or of note, was Lauren Murphy getting the nod over Joanne Calderwood. 29-28s all the way. Two for Murphy, one for Calderwood. It was round one, which decided the fight, ultimately. Uh, two judges, Junichiro Camillo and local judge Dennis O'Connell, saw this one for Murphy, and Derek Cleary saw it for JoJo. What about you, sir? I went Calderwood. Uh, I did too. This was a fun round. Started strong for Murphy. I thought she was she started good, but then once Calderwood found her uh, rhythm... She was good to the legs, to the body, to the head. In the clinch, I thought she was landing good elbows. She worked so well, so like to, just just to all areas, and, and and was really kind of I think making it difficult for Murphy to be able to kind of account for one thing. Yeah, she was good variety of strikes, uh, and they were good solid strikes. But I, Murphy did land some stiff ones. Yeah, uh, I don't. I, she did uh, that. That I think is the reason why I could totally understand why that round goes to Murphy. Yeah, because there's a little bit more immediacy. Uh, or immediate impact from these strikes than maybe necessarily anything that Calderwood did land. But I still think she ultimately was landing with solid impact on more strikes overall. Yeah, I think over on the uh, on the whole, she was the more effective fighter, I think. But uh, I totally see the argument for Murphy. What are you going to do? Yeah, and and so I had this one for Calderwood. You had this one for Calderwood. We both saw it the same way as Derek Cleary. And uh, what does that mean again? Couch side over. Another award in the mail. Yes, yes. Uh, we'll send that one out. Uh, uh, next, we also have a majority decision, which would have uh, had a different result based on the way this uh, third round was scored in uh, Faris Zium, getting the nod over Luigi Vendramini, the other Italian on the card, 29-28 times two for Zium, and a 28-28 because Vendramini came back with a vengeance in the third, and it was Cleary again who gave the 10-8 for Vendramini, making it a draw on his card. Uh, Junichiro Camillo again on this one with Chris Flores, the local judge. How did you see it? Did you see it as a 10-8? No, I, I thought it was just a 10-9. Okay. Uh, he comes out like a house of fire. He does. And, uh, but he didn't. He couldn't sustain that. And uh, after that first minute or so, it was just you know little spurts here and there. Uh, I didn't think he checked damage to the degree where it was so diminishing that I'd go 10-8, and I don't really think he had any other D. Yeah, I would say that's pretty accurate. I didn't necessarily see him get to the point where it was like a near finish or anything mm-hmm. like that. And I think if he'd pushed for that, if it gotten that close, I would say, in the in the beginning of that round, you can understand why, even if maybe the, the rest of the round didn't go that way, why you could give that to be a 10-8. But yeah, it, it didn't really manifest that way. It didn't play out that way. So I just saw this as a 10-9. You did too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sorry, sorry, Derek. We had you had one award for you, but you're not getting the the <laughs> side override for this one. But I, I mean, is it would it be so bad if this was a ten eight? 
I mean, I would love to be able to push the definition for it, but I just don't think it really meets what I understand of the criteria for that to be. So I think the right guy won. ZM got the win. He obviously kind of uh, held on for the win, but it is what it is. Back to the heavyweights, Dan. Carlos Felipe and Jake Collier split decision 29-28 all the way uh, with two of them going to Felipe, and that was because round three was our split. Yeah, heavyweight slugfest in in the whole fight, really. But What'd you see here? I went Felipe 10-9. Okay, why is that? I think he landed a bit hard. It was a slugfest. They were they were just smashing each other in the face. But mm-hmm. I, you know, Collier winces at a couple of the ones that land. I just think Felipe had the better impact. So it sure looked like the better impact was coming from Collier. Yeah, I mean the body language from Felipe. Excuse me, from Felipe. Yes, yes. Thank you. Sorry, I spoke. Um, the body language that you're seeing from Collier is it's not very strong. Uh, not the fact that he's looking at the clock all the time. Like that's that is what it is. Um, it doesn't matter if he's getting tired or if he wants to know what point in the round he's at. But after those land, yeah, you kind of start to see it's like, oh, just it looks like it it had more effect on him. You know, whether it did or not, that's one way to read it. And it's you know, you never want to. We we talked about this actually the other way with Carlos Felipe about body language and and reactions and things like that last year when he was you know playing everything off like, oh, didn't hit me, didn't hit me. It was like, well, we know it hit you. Uh, yeah, that's how we know it hits you because you're telling us. So, but here it's it's almost like the opposite, but for a different reason. With Collier, the body language just didn't look as strong for him. Collier did outland Felipe in this round, and I think in every round actually. Um, but ultimately, but yeah, and you can see why maybe an argument would be made if uh, I got no problem someone scoring it for Collier. So. And and that is how Saldamato had it. Uh, Chris Lee and De- Dennis O'Connell, they were the ones who saw this one for Felipe. So I didn't see it the same way as as D'Amato. I saw it for Felipe, just like you. So it is what it is. I think the right guy ended up winning, but if it went the other way, it wouldn't bother me. Nope. Moving on to, we've got you know some more kind of inconsequential rounds based on the way the, the rest of the fight played out for these next few rounds here. And that's Bilal Muhammad against Damian Maia. He got the unanimous nod. Two 29-28s and a 30-27. Round one was where we had at least some case being made for Damian Maya. Did you see it for Maya? I ended up scoring it Maya. Okay. Uh, I saw it for Muhammad, and, and you know, so you're in the majority. But yeah, break it down why. They were, neither fighter gave us much of uh, effective offense. Correct. Let's, let's start there. I think that's fair. I think Maya landed enough strikes off the clinch, off his takedowns, where I see it from ever so slightly. I, I can't say Muhammad has no case because... He also landed, you know, a couple good strikes, and the strike numbers are probably pretty low. The effective ones, anyway. But I see it for Maya. That's fair. Um, now, of course, as we all know, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of play devil's advocate here. Could you give Damian Maya the round based on the fact that he was searching for a bunch of takedowns and he was more aggressive, searching? right? I mean, you can you can go that way if you if you see the strike in dead even and you you, you uh, go to aggression. Okay, that's fair. Okay. I didn't see it that way. I, I, d- I that, also didn't. So, I'm just kind of, like I said, yeah. I'm playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. Yeah, I don't think you need to go to the secondary scoring criteria or the third uh, tertiary there. So, yeah, I, I did see it from Muhammad, but yeah, super close. And, you know, ultimately it didn't end up really playing much of a factor. Mm. It was just a low output round. And then Maya couldn't really do much after that. It was it, it was mostly Muhammad the rest of the way. Maya can't get the takedown after shooting 15, 16 times in a round. He's gassed himself and he's finished. Look, he's 43 years old. Go easy on him. (laughs) He did this against uh, Chris Weidman how many years ago? Yeah, that was on a Fox card. That was was about 10 years ago. (laughs) 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 That was like the second Fox card, I think. 
That was a terrible fight, by the way. Oh, that was horrible. Was I think really we watched it together, actually. Uh, no, I think I watched that at work, actually. Did you? Yeah, I don't think we watched it together. I um, watched it somewhere other than my house. That's the, the judges, I should point out on this one, it was Sal D'Amato saw this one for Muhammad, and Chris Lee and Chris Flores saw this one for Maya. The two Chris's were united. All right. Uh, they had Chris Power there. Um, but again, it didn't matter. Uh, moving on to... This was definitely the worst fight of the night, but even at that, the the round we were speaking about actually had at least some interest to it, and that's Eric Anders got the NMS nod, two thirty or excuse me, twenty nine twenty sevens, and then a twenty nine twenty eight over Darren Stewart. Round three, after some really boring ten minutes here, terrible that was, fight that was essentially evened up and and it just felt terrible. Finally, Anders wakes up and he gets two ten eights. One from Mike Bell, one from Chris Flores. Chris Lee, they were not united on this one. The Chris's uh, diverged here. Uh, he only saw it as a 10-9 for Anders. So he was the minority score. And that's how I actually saw it. I saw this one as a 10-9. I went 10-8. Okay, why? I thought it was a solid beatdown. Big damage coupled with Stewart doing absolutely nothing. Except mate, that weird uh, that weird takedown thing they had in the beginning of the round. That's what Stewart, that was Stewart's only offense. But Anders goes to town against when he's like kind of turtled up against the fence for like a good duration of time. I thought he was going to get a finish there. But yeah, I thought Stewart was, was hurt pretty good. I can understand that. Um, I didn't end up rewatching this. I think I, I kind of would have liked to, but I just the day didn't uh, play mm-hmm. out that way for me. So I had to go with kind of my initial reaction here. And I think that's there's some fairness yeah. to that too. So yeah. I saw this one as a 10-9 watching and I debated the 10-8, but I just didn't think it quite got there. I could see why it would get there, especially with hindsight being the case. But now I... It didn't matter. It was really just who won the round was the winner of the fight. So such a bad fight. But but well, yeah, again, credit round. to Anders. He did pour it on. He he found that that gear that he. I, mean, I don't think he landed anything in the first round. I think he might have landed nothing. I didn't check the stats. Yeah, but he deserved to be booed. He did. He did absolutely. Arizona. For the record, we should probably get this in really quick. Arizona's crowd was terrible. I don't know how you feel, but I hated them. Oh no, I I I, I honestly I don't care about uh, if you boo. If you have something. I don't want a crowd that's out of it completely. I don't care if you're super cheery or super booey. No have, woos. Have something going no on. No woos, because that underscores how nothing is going on. Like I, I, I get people pre- are appreciative of the uh, Asian fans that you know appreciate the art that's happening in the ring, and they. You're they, saying they, that they, the silent kind of they're they're, they're more polite. It's and they, silent. They'll, they'll they clap, clap when something yeah, happens. Okay, I understand. In Japan, I don't believe it's all over Asia. Oh, okay. It's so specific right, so, to Japan okay, and, and, Japanese, and the way it was in Pride. Okay, so Japanese fans, I that's the way they want to do it. Fair, but I want people who have going insane. I can't lie. I like the I like the Pride style. You know, golf clap. Mm-hmm. Wait for them to do the stuff and then clap really loudly for like just a burst and then you move on. I, and then I mean, I, I love. I like that. I I want passionate fans who are just gonna be like, "You suck." I don't want the pe- I, You know who bothers me? I don't mind anyone in a crowd. That really doesn't understand what they're watching, but I cannot stand being out watching a fight at a bar on TV <laughs> with people who have absolutely no idea what they're watching, because that's annoying. But in person, you're just screaming, going nuts. I, I got no issue. Look, I'll say this. If you paid all that money to go to a UFC card because it is not cheap whatsoever, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially because you've been imbibing, very likely. But I just... Another word Scott used that I have no idea what it means. <laughs> drinking consuming oh, okay. uh, of the of the alcoholic beverage is typically how we would say that okay yeah uh <laughs> we're learning every day aren't we um no i just it frustrates me because like i mean come on at least understand what you're doing and and the fact that everybody like they waited months 
I mean, it's been a while since Arizona's even had a card, but like realistically, we haven't had like any sports to go to. These people watch the Phoenix Coyotes, for God's sake. This is what they watch. They actually watched something happening in this fights. Like, stop booing. You want to boo right. Anders and, and, and Stewart? First 10 minutes? I, I get it. I do. But there, I mean, this was a solid card. Why are you booing? Why are was, you booing? It was good because they got bored of certain things. Look, I got I got ADHD. I I, I don't even get bored that quickly. Come on. It's <laughs> crazy. Anyway, back back to it. We've got a couple more rounds here. Panikianzad getting the unanimous nod. Uh, two thirty twenty sevens and a twenty nine twenty eight over Alexis Davis. A really good win for her. Um, I'm a little surprised that it was even this close because obviously the fight was pretty competitive throughout. This is a fight that I think no matter how you think it was scored, the score doesn't necessarily reflect how it close the fight no. was. No. Nope. Because 30-27, I will say, regardless of how I had round two, which was the only split round, it's an appropriate score, but also one that, again, just doesn't match what we saw. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you. So what would you say? Who who did you have for round two? I went for Panny. Okay. Zod, round two. Uh, I thought her punches were definitely better, uh, especially early, because you know, her head's getting snapped back like a bobblehead. Yeah. Uh, I think Davis did fine landing some of her own, and she worked the calf kick really well. I don't think the effect mirrored or, or was being put. I don't think the commentary was portraying the actual effect properly. A lot of that. There was a lot of that uh, throughout the event. I, yeah, I think <laughs> this, I th- this was definitely one of them. I think they exaggerated the effect those calf kicks had. I mean, there was some truth to it because towards the end of the round, her punches did have a little less pop. But on the whole, I think uh, Kianza landed the more impactful strikes on the whole. And, I mean, Davis did smash her face up. So I think it's pretty close either way, but I'm leaning Kianza. Honestly, I think Joe Rogan is the one who who ends up making these uh, narratives that kind of go astray and, and sort of really, and, really then, morphing what we're watching. And then Paul Felder jumps on with him. Well, yeah, it's easy to jump on with, with uh, Joe Rogan. Well, anyway, I had this one for Davis. I, I Again, I, I very close... I totally understand a 30-27 score, but I do think Davis did just enough to get this one done. Okay. Uh, she actually, I believe, had the the higher volume uh, uh, landed strikes in this one, too. But I think, again, not, not that that matters necessarily, but I do think she was just impactful enough to get the nod, including right. with the volume. I saw this one the same way as Mike Bell. You saw it like uh, Camillo and Chris Flores, uh, again, our local judge here. So didn't really matter. Kianzad won the fight overall, but again, close. Really good win for her. And the last fight of the night uh, was uh, Ben Askren's son, Chase Hooper, uh, once again losing rounds. Uh, This is something that I actually noticed here. He has now completed eight scored rounds in the UFC, and he has never unanimously won. Or actually, he's never been even gotten two out of three judges to see him as the round winner. So when he wins these fights, he's getting these finishes. But it's not because he's winning the fight overall is just because he got you know he had kind of the right moment at the right time that's not a recipe for someone who's going to continue winning but at any rate steven peterson was the winner here uh because he was fighting in arizona not texas where he'll never fight again apparently <laughs> as we spoke about in one of our recent shows uh 30 27 times two for peterson and a 29 28 because we did have a split in round one one judge mike bell saw this one for hooper the other two saw it for Peterson, Chris Lee, and Brad Frank, the other local judge, who I don't think we'd even mentioned until this point. Uh, he's Brad Frank was laying low. All right, he was laying low. He was he ended up on some uh, fights that ended up being scored unanimously. So good, and we should say good job by the judges overall. Did you see this one for Peterson, or do you think that Hooper finally won a round? No, I went Peterson. Yep, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> it just uh, his ground and pound was solid. Good yeah. elbows, good strikes. There was some definite. Uh, 
you can make a case for Hooper based on the fact that he's always searching for these submissions and, you know, how close do you think he is? You know, how effective are they compared to the strikes that he's kind of been absorbing in this round? I guess it's up for debate, right? Yeah, I don't I don't think uh, I don't think any were close enough. I don't either. But so. maybe Mike Bell had a different view than we did, you know, eh, maybe that's uh, that's the only thing I can speculate or maybe he's just kind of seeing these as a little more effective in the whole. Um, nonetheless, didn't matter. Chase Hooper was not in this fight after this. No. And uh, and that is it. We have three finishes. We've already talked about two of them, I believe, actually. Uh, we talked about them all, I think. No, we didn't, because we didn't talk about my favorite finish of the night. No, oh, what is it? My favorite finish, sir, was Terrence McKinney. Oh, yeah. Starching Matt Frivola with a 1-2 in seven seconds. He almost got the record. So close. And then he blew out his knee celebrating. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe this. Yep. I missed this watching live. I went upstairs to say goodnight to my kids, and I come back, and it's like, oh, wow, I missed a seven-second knockout. And then you tell me at the end of the night, oh, yeah, the guy, he did that, and then he blew out his knee. I'm like, what? Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> that was just insane. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> uh, Cage man. remains undefeated. <laughs> It wasn't even like he went up to the top and then did like a backflip off it like we've seen guys do. He like jumped up a little bit and then he just landed funny and it was over. I bet that thing was ready to go. The knee? The knee was probably ready to go. I mean, it might have. Or maybe it just landed bad. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I I am. You are? Oh, I stayed at the Holiday Inn Express last night. Oh, 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 I see. We're going back to old jokes of commercials. I like that. I like that one. Yeah. I, did, I did like that commercial. Uh, yeah, so that was mine. You know, it was the only knockout. We had two subs. We already talked about the the one with Paul Craig, which was a technical submission. And we talked about the one with Brandon Moreno getting a rear naked choke to win a stunning championship victory over the, I mean, he was more or less invincible in our eyes, the god of war, Davis yeah. Figueredo. So who was it? Who was the sub that you preferred? I went Moreno. You did? I thought it was just much more impressive. I think it was also more clean, just in the simple fact that Beautiful. it wasn't marred by the 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 terrible officiating to to halt the bout. You know, it was done right. Yeah, the, I mean the the movements of Paul Craig may have been more smooth. Um, and we talked about those. but uh, Marino more maybe they're both very technically good. They are, uh, but I think Marino's more impressive because of the, the opponent. So yeah, I think that plays a, a big role into it. Um, and that was it. We had for. Uh, the UFC. Uh, I actually I never got the chance to go watch Bellator, but I know that there were very few split rounds there. It sounds like it was a actually a very extremely clean uh, judging night over in uh, Mohegan Sun. So I'll just kind of name check real quick a few of the judges that I know were working that. It was Dave Hagen, uh, Brian Miner, and I, I. By the way, I didn't even realize that Dave Hagen would would fly out to uh, to Mohegan Sun from Nevada. So that was kind of cool. Uh, to see him out there, Doug Crosby was on there. Michael Murtha, Dave Peabody. Um, you know, we there were there was some good judging going on out there in Mohegan Sun. So even though I missed it, I want to highlight it anyway. Mm. Did you get to catch up on on uh, Bellator since then? No, oh, okay. I just read results. That's fair. That's fair. And then PFL though, we have one fight that I definitely want to get to. But before we even do, there were some interesting uh, happenings that went on there. Of course, that was the headliner was Clarissa Shields, uh, you know, boxing's queen, the quote coming over. And she, oh my goodness, she did not look like she was ready for MMA grappling for two rounds. And then she comes out and finishes the fight in the third round when she was definitely down 20 to 18 on all three cards. Yes. I was very impressed, not with the grappling, but with her. I will, I will say one thing for the grappling. She was in, I was impressed in her ability to not panic and not, you know, do the wrong things, make mistakes down there. Cause, I mean, you've rolled with people who've even been doing it for six months and they still make crazy mistakes, you know? 
I'm impressed that she was able to come back and win, stay mm-hmm. composed. I mean, she did. She she did was it. composed as hell. She you could tell that this is a woman who knows what it takes to win. As uh, of course, two time Olympic gold medalist, you know, champion of of professional boxing, the greatest women's boxer of all time. I mean, I'm not impressed with Brittany Elkin. No, I I would say you, you kind of wouldn't necessarily expect someone with her grappling chops to be able to probably find a way to finish. I mean, I, I in didn't some I of those th- situations because they looked prime to be able to do it. Never thought she was going to win the fight because I didn't think she'd be able to even take her down because I thought she'd get punched in the face <laughs> and get knocked out. But she did get her down for a long time. She was down quite a bit. In I think Mount, she was probably down for, for like, like it was like seven out of the ten, seven and a half out of the ten minutes of the first ten minutes, right? I mean, from my understanding, she's highly ranked in in. Jiu-jitsu. I don't know if she's a black belt or not, but should be able to finish a beginner. But it's a different sport. You know, I think this was an appropriately matched fight. I think we had someone who... I have to give credit to PFL because this was a fight that certainly was on the way to not being a win for, you know, their prize signing, Clarissa Shields. They didn't have to give her a grappler in her first fight, and they did anyway. And And she ended up being able to weather a terrible storm and get the win. I'm impressed with what she might be capable of with more time. She needs more time. She's with a good camp, so that'll be good. A good camp. She's. She, I know from talking with her, the uh, the team there. Obviously, she's with uh, Greg Jackson. So, so Jackson and uh, Mike Winklejohn, they're both going to probably be uh, very cautious with putting her into next year's PFL season. I would imagine based on this fight, she so. gets matched up against Kayla Harrison too soon. I don't think they're going to do it because what uh, she, what she said is that the team, the coaches are going to sit down and they're going to look at all the potential entrants into that season and say, okay, can we beat all of them? Not just a few of them. They want to be able to n- feel confident that she can beat all of them. And uh, no one would be delusional enough to say after this fight, oh yeah, she could definitely beat Kayla Harrison. You'd feel confident that this would be the thing. Okay, that's another thing yeah. that I have a problem with in this What's sport. This? And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier when we we're thinking, oh, you know, it has to be perfect for Whitaker. Okay. It has to be. It's, no, you fight for us. That's who you're fighting. That's it. It's it, The Giants don't get to choose whether they want to play the Cowboys twice every year. The, it, this guy's going to fight this guy, and that's what it is. But that's what... That's it. No see, more picking why... and choosing. No cherry picking. That's it. But that's why she's not entering the season until they feel like at least she can beat them all so that she doesn't have to cherry pick. They'll just get the whatever fights because they'll feel like they can beat anyone who's in there. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. but that's that is you can do that with not a season. You can pick. I'm not taking that fight because that's a tough fight. Well, there's that. Too. But I'll take this fight because I match up a little better with there. And I might win there. Hey, you know what? After this fight, I think we know she's willing to take a dark, like a tough fight. Because as um, what, I, I what, whatever you want to say about Brittany Elkin, I mean, this was definitely a terrible matchup for her on paper. It I'm, was, it was not a good matchup. I'm talking about the sport as a whole. Uh huh. These fighters, they just pick and choose who they want to fight. Okay. It's like on the regional scene, everyone's trying to get to the UFC, so they're avoiding those Division One wrestlers, all American wrestlers that are also on the come up. Because they can't deal with that. I understand that, I, and I don't necessarily disagree with that point. But I, I, for as it pertains specifically to Clarissa Shields, I don't necessarily have a problem with no, the way she's they're a doing gamer, it. But, but I just, I and not only that, I mean, she look, she is a prized possession of you know, not possession, a a prized participant in professional fighters league. They want her success. They really want it. So it's not in their best interests to 
take the shine off her in her first fight. And they still gave her a tough fight. I actually got to give credit. I really do. I, I can't give enough credit for making this fight because when they put Brittany Elkin against Kayla Harrison, that was lamb to slaughter. That was pure lamb to slaughter because you had a grappler going against a judo legend. And it was not going to go any other way than <laughs> than Kayla Harrison just destroying Brittany Elkin. This very different. And I'm very impressed with what Clarissa Shales was able to do. Yeah, it's great. She she came back, got the finish. It was, it was pretty awesome. I imagine she'll probably be taking... I, I would ballpark three, four more fights before she signs up for a PFL season, which is fair. I mean, she shouldn't be going in at 2-0 and or 3-0. and Make her let her go in at five or six and oh. I think that's okay. Yeah, that's fair. You know, that's she's com- she's coming from a different background. And she, you know, boxing is not the best base for MMA. We know that. Straight boxing, right? And, you know, she's got a lot of skills to learn and, and give her time. She's she only started training in December. I, I get it. I mean, but there's other avenues where you, where you can improve your grappling. You don't, it, you know, you can take just a grappling tournament. You can take sure. a, a wrestling match. Sure, I understand. Like guys that aren't that good at grappling. But they're good at, sh- uh, I mean, guys that aren't good at striking or good at grappling on the amateur scene, they take, okay, let me take an amateur kickboxing match. Sure. Let me get that striking experience. Let and maybe get- she will. We don't know that. Like, that's where you can pick and choose to, to improve yourself. Next time I next time I get the chance to speak with her, maybe I'll ask her if she's, she has any plans to do anything like that oh, or yeah. she's just going to, yeah, I'm curious. But once you're it's a, a pro, good question. Once you're a pro, whatever fight they tell you you're fighting for, that's what you're fighting. Eh. Again, she plays by different rules and you have to accept that that's how it is. <laughs> You have to like it, but that's, I mean, you know what world we live in. I don't like it. That's all right. Uh, as far as the other happenings at PFL, we had the lightweight season rolled on. It didn't quite finish because we have some fights uh, outstanding because for some reason they're granting extensions for certain fighters. Again, playing by different rules here. Uh, at lightweight, we already have Clay Collard and uh, Loika Rajabov. They have punched their tickets for the semifinals. So that means two are up for grabs, and it depends on how... Anthony Pettis against Roush Manfio does in two weeks. So we have two spots up for grabs, like I said, and they could go to any of the following Pettis, Roush, Alexander Martinez, Natan Schultz, and Marcin Held. All are in the mix for these last two fights, and it depends entirely on what happens in Pettis versus Roush Manfio. So we'll see what happens then. Um, and then on the featherweight side, we have Brendan Lofnane has punched his ticket along with Chris Wade and Bubba Jenkins. So there's one spot still left to be decided, and that depends on how, on June 25th, Movlid Kaibulayev and two-time reigning champion Lance Palmer, how that goes. Waiting in the wings is kind of the, um, I guess the default person right now, is uh, Shaman Marais, because he has a five points. He got a submission victory over the, uh, that was a really impressive one. Did you get to watch that, by the way? Nope. Awesome Kimura sweep into the Kimura. Oh, you did text me that. Yeah. Oh, you should have watched that one. That was really great. Um, but that was that was a really good finish for him. So depending, he could be able to sneak in, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Uh, a finish from either fighter, I believe, leapfrogs Marais. But speaking of Lofney, we have one more fight that we have to do for contested rounds, and this one was kind of a mess. We had every round to discuss here. It was, a, it was a fun fight. I actually enjoyed this fight, but the scoring in particular had a bunch of... So I, I shared the scorecards because PFL, um, they make them available to media. They don't put them out on social media, so I just make sure I share them here and there. And apparently I started Firestorm because everybody really wanted uh, Donnie Carolay, uh to lose his license or you know, all this other stuff they always say. You know, <laughs> it's, it's immediately like, revoke this judge, fire this judge. It's like, who do you want? I'm sorry, Donnie Carolay's judged a lot of fights. Anyway... 
let's get to round one. Lofnane against Tyler Diamond because this fight was a majority decision. 30-27, 29-27, and 28-28. What'd you see, sir? Yeah, round one, uh, I thought it was a competitive round, but I thought it was pretty clear, and I, I don't like it going to Diamond. I don't like this one for Diamond either. I, I think uh, this is a pretty clear Lofnane 10-9 round. I mean, I guess in theory it was competitive in the sense that Diamond is throwing strikes too, and he is landing sometimes. But anything he's landing, it doesn't compare to the to the type no. of impact we're getting from Lofnay. And, and yeah, it's just, yeah it, it, this is this is definitely a very tough one. This is where you start to at least understand why there is some disappointment with uh, Donnie Carolay on this one, who is the the lone judge who saw this one for Tyler Diamond, Eric Cologne, and Dave Torelli. You know, our, our experienced uh, traveling judges. Uh, both from Jersey. Uh, I'm not sure where Donnie Carroll is. He probably lives in Jersey based on the fact that he does a lot of Jersey fights, but maybe he lives in Pennsylvania. I don't know. Um, but they saw it for Lofney, and I think that was the right call. Yeah, definitely. I think it was easily Low the right kicks call. are solid. Yeah, not 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 a great score from Donnie Carroll. He could keep his license. I mean, come on, guys. Chill. But <laughs> it's, yeah, not a good score. Round two, there is debate here about whether this was a 10-8 or a 10-9 for Lofnane. Uh, Carolee was on the majority side with Eric Cologne here. Dave Torelli only saw this as a 10-9 for Lofnane. What did you see? I thought this was a solid 10-8. I think this is definitely a dominant round. He hurt, he hurt Diamond multiple times. He did. Badly. He had him in, in a lot of trouble. This is a very lopsided round. There's moments in the round where he would, you know, take his foot off the gas and, and rest a bit yeah but when he did attack they were strong and they were for a pretty decent amount of time i feel like we're almost talking about the difference between a 10-8 and a 10-7 because he took the get yeah, the food off the gas well, yeah well yeah it's not it, it, this but... wouldn't be a 10-7 either but um yeah i think it's much <laughs> i could probably try to make the case for it being a 10-7 more than i can make it being a 10-9 yeah this was all left lane yeah so you know torelli was in the the majority the minority here i I don't think it's a great score to give this one just a 10-9, but, you know, maybe he's at a different angle. You know, you, we speculate about this. I just, nonetheless, I don't, I don't think it was the right score. I think this is just a, this is a straight up 10-8. This, this, <laughs> someone tried to refer to something as a, a textbook 10-8 round with me from the UFC over the weekend on social media. And I was like, all right, maybe you should read the textbook again. Um, <laughs> what textbook are you reading? <laughs> I, I shared the link to the criteria. I was like, all right, here's the textbook. Check it out. Uh, and it was more like a you know debatable kid. It might have been the the Anders round, actually. Oh, you called it a textbook? It was either that or it was either that or Ven it might have been the Vendramini round. It was one or the other. Where they were like textbook ten a, and I'm like, nah, check the textbook. Uh, but there's an <laughs> argument. But anyway, here I think this is actually much closer to a textbook ten uh, eight. So at this point, I'm seeing it as a twenty to seventeen fight. Yeah. And Diamond needs a finish. Mm -hmm. It's obviously not how everybody had it. But round three, the majority of judges this time it was also Cologne and Carolee. They saw this one for Diamond, whereas Torelli, again the minority judge here, saw it for Lofnane. 10-9 each way. Did you see it uh, with the majority again? I went for Lofnane, 10-9. I also did. So, you know, as much as we were against Torelli in round two, we're with you here. Yeah, he I mean, he dropped him twice. You know, everything he landed was big. I mean, he spent a lot of the round on his back, and his face was a little busted up. Yep. So maybe, you know, depending on their... I did notice there's two judges on uh, panels right next to each other. Interesting. That I actually that, missed. I noticed that. 
So I was like, okay, mm, so well, that's not good planning by the. They, they call it the smart cage in PFL. I'm not sure how smart <laughs> that decision was. I, b- I believe uh, Eric Colon and I don't know who I don't. I don't know all the faces. You don't know the faces. So, I say it was so it was either Carolay and and, and Dave or Dave Terrell, They yeah. were propped up like judges. I could be wrong. Maybe maybe the other person wasn't a judge, but he was propped up like a judge would be. So could be. Um, was there a little piece of paper in front of him, a pen? I I, I was like, wow, there's two judges right on the same cage. I know. Um, and I, I believe it's a ten sided cage. They call. I think it's a decagon. Decagon, and it's smart. It's supposedly it's smart. I think you can like check uh, the internet on it. And, you know, it's got, like, the weather. I was and... thinking a smart cage should be something that changes size based on the weight class. My, I, If that I understand cool. right, the smart cage is because you can – they is it because they shoot the camera through? Like, you don't see the cage? It, like, disappears or something? Oh, maybe. I don't know. That's it's, weird. I forget exactly. It's, it's just branding. It's just corporate branding, really, <laughs> when you really get down to it. Uh, but yeah, so this one, I'm with you. I saw this one for Lofnane 10-9. Not quite a 10-8 by any stretch, you know, it no. was, but he but he did have, I think he had the biggest spots and I think it's much easier to give it, yeah. give the round to mm-hmm. him than it is to Tyler Diamond. Um, so because we saw it the same way as uh, Dave Torelli, who was on an island of his own among the judges, what do we call that, sir? Yeah, we'll give him one in the mail too. Couch side over at. <laughs> We're actually not too far from from Dave Torelli. We're up in North Jersey, just like him. We could probably, you know, like drop it off at. Uh, he's Tiger Shulman's. We could just drop it off there. Dave, I'm gonna come drop it off at Couchside Override. Maybe we should. Tiger we'll have, now we'll have to figure out what we're giving because we don't have anything. And also, we might have to answer for the fact that we're like, no, nah, it's a 10-9 guy. Don't you know what you're talking about? Yeah, come on, you, Dave. You, the trained professional judge, we're telling you you know, what to know. Look, We're going to fight about every, it. Everybody makes mistakes, and, and who knows? Maybe there's an argument we're not uh, seeing for that round. Uh, you know, we, should, we should certainly be humble enough to admit that there's reasons why it might be different than we saw it. Sure. But, I you know I think it's I think what we watched was a thirty to twenty six fight and none of the scores were that it was all thirty twenty seven twenty nine twenty seven and twenty eight twenty eight so it was kind of weird strange but uh, the right guy won the right guy so, won at least uh, you know Lafleur's moving on he's punched his ticket and we'll see if he can uh, get a little bit closer to that million dollar prize he's only got to win two more now that's it two more to a million I wish I I wish I was that close to a million dollars but even if you're that close how close are you not very. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back again on Thursday. Thursday. We got some more PFL. And thanks. For, this was a marathon. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We had a lot to discuss. I uh, hope you didn't fast forward or anything. I mean, fast forward is fine. Do what yeah, you want. Whatever. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with a past judgment. And uh, take care, everybody. Yeah, see you later. <laughs>